Well, it was a uh, February day. It was not particularly hot or cold. It was a typical winter day in Los Angeles, where I was living at the time. And a friend and I decided to take a trip to Palm Springs in that area to go on a backpacking trip up San Jacinto Peak, which rises just outside of Palm Springs. The peak's around 10,800 feet. And one thing that's unique is there's a tramway that goes up to about the 8,000-foot level. And most people take that tramway just to take in the view, which is astonishing. But we used the tramway to give us a head start on the hike from the far below Desert Valley floor. That's a picture of San Jacinto. When we prepared for the trip, we packed the normal list used for a short backpacking adventure. We included layers of clothing as well as tarps and such to keep us dry as there was the possibility of some light rain. Well, after arriving at the base of the mountain, we took the tramway up, we got off, and we began what was around a nine-mile hike. And while we had planned to stay at least two nights, after the first night of camping, after the backpacking, we decided to pack it up as the temperature for some reason started to drop precipitously. We knew that snow was likely, unlike the forecast we checked before going. And as we began hiking back toward the tram, miles away it began to snow, and it snowed and it snowed and it snowed and it snowed. It was a rare California snowy dump. The snow was thick and heavy, making each step really difficult. Well, the hours passed, and so we decided to hunker down because the visibility dropped down to zero. Well, the snow continued, and in our tent, we shivered and shivered and shivered as the snow piled up along the sides. Well, long story short, when we woke up the next morning, it was crystal clear. Not a cloud anywhere in sight. But what was in sight was the top of the tramway, just about 100 yards away. <laughs> Certainly, had we anticipated that we were that close, we never would have stopped. We would have kept going, gotten on the gonda, at least hunkered down where there was some structure around, and eventually headed down to the warmer desert floor. Clearly, had we anticipated or at least prepared for that possibility, we would have avoided those miserably long, cold hours on top of San Jacinto Pink. Lessons learned when backpacking, anticipate that anything Anything can happen. Well, speaking of anticipation, today's the first Sunday of Advent. It's the beginning of the church year, which many churches follow the church calendar as we do. And as you know, there are a variety of seasons in the church calendar. There's Advent, which begins the church year, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, and then that long season between Pentecost until the time when Advent comes around. Advent. The word, as many of you know, means coming, the coming of Christ. It's a four-week-long period of time in which each week we progressively light more and more candles until we light the fifth candle, which is not there, symbolizing Christmas. Advent is a, a time in which God invites us all to reflect upon our lives, where we've got it right, where we've got it wrong, how we might need to get back on track. Advent's a time of turning to God through prayer and a period of time in which we're asked by God to prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And for many, Advent is a season in which we reflect upon the hope that Christ will come again. And because Advent is a time of preparation, 
Advent is characterized by one key word, and that word is anticipation. Anticipating Jesus' birth and anticipating when Jesus will come again. Although that's the case, I believe this idea of anticipation is so important for us to ponder in all the seasons of our life. You see, when we anticipate, we plan for the future, we establish goals, we get hope into our minds, we're motivated, gives us something to look forward to. When we anticipate, we're encouraged. We can keep on track when things are out of whack. When we anticipate, it opens us up to possibilities. When we anticipate the kinds of things God invites us to anticipate, it guides our prayer, makes us more resilient, and helps us be a source of encouragement for other people. Interestingly enough, it's important to note as a very side note, and maybe this isn't that relevant, but I kind of find it interesting, that there's a slight difference between the meaning of the word anticipate and expect. I kind of spent a few hours looking at this from what uh, folks that study grammar have to say. One person that studies grammar says that to anticipate means that a person foresees an event and prepares for it. Anticipates means to foresee an event and to prepare for it. While to expect something merely means that something is probable, but it doesn't necessarily mean we'll be prepared for it. So anticipate means to expect something and to take action based on what we anticipate. So if I anticipate snow on a hike, I'll gather all the necessary gear together and take it along. Again, when we anticipate something by definition, it means we take action in response to what it is that we're anticipating. Very interesting concept, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. You see, if we anticipate things from God, it means we'll take action based on what we're anticipating God to do in our lives. Well, this week and next, I'm going to do a short two-part series on just some things we can anticipate from God. I can't get into all of it because there's a lot we can anticipate from God, but I want to get into five specific things that we can all anticipate. We can anticipate that God is intimately involved in our lives, that God will guide us, that God will heal us, that God will call us, and that God has a future for us. If we anticipate these things from God, it will direct our actions and how we live, and it will be a game changer. In fact, it will help us to become encouraged as we go through life. I love what one person writes about anticipation when it comes to God. This person writes, don't give up. Don't give up. Allow the Holy Spirit to restore your anticipation for the fulfillment of God's promises and dreams in your life. It's time now to allow the Holy Spirit to spur you on to continue to act in faith. And from where I sit, I think a lot of us need some spurring on. We need some encouragement. We need to get back into anticipating things from God that can change our lives and the lives of those around us. Because the news is always so bad, we need something else to focus on. 
We need to focus on what God promises us. So let's begin this two-part series on what we can anticipate from God. And this morning, I'm just going to get into two of the five. And I want to start with the idea that God is involved intimately in your life and mine, continually, whether or not we see it or believe it or feel it. Let's first look at just some examples from Scripture. Well, in our first reading today, we heard a little snippet about an ordinary woman named Rebecca. Rebecca, an ordinary gal that simply decides to go out to a well to get some water. Well, you may remember that a fellow named Abraham and his wife Sarah had a son named Isaac. And by the time Abraham and Sarah were old, Abraham was very worried that his son Isaac had yet to be married. And so he asked one of his servants to travel to Abraham's home territory to see if he can find a wife for his son Isaac. Well, upon arriving in the area of Abraham's homeland, the servant sits by a well. And as he does so, he asks God, please send a wife for Isaac. And by the way, send a woman who will offer me a drink and give my camels something to drink as well. Well, that's exactly what happened. This woman named Rebecca, living an ordinary life in an ordinary way, who simply goes out to get water, offers his servant some water, and gives water to his camels. God in this story and throughout the rest of her life was potently involved in everything about Rebecca's life, whether or not she knew it at first. Her life would not have been what it was without God being involved in it. After marrying Isaac, she was a key character in the history of the people of Israel, all due to God's involvement in her life. God put her there at that well at that time, searching for water. In our second reading from Acts, we encounter the story of Peter and Cornelius. We know a lot about Peter. He was central in the, in the ministry of Jesus' life. And after Jesus was resurrected, we know that Peter went out to continue to spread the story of Jesus to his fellow Jews. And as a Jew, Peter was very committed to sticking with Jewish food laws, which were very restrictive. Well, one day Peter has a vision in which God tells Peter to eat food that's off limit to Jews. Well, Peter wonders what on earth this vision means, and as he wonders, there's a knock on the door, and these fellows show up. And Peter travels with the men, and this is the beginning of sharing the story of Jesus with all the Gentiles. Clearly, God was profoundly involved in Peter's life from beginning to end, and in the lives of Cornelius, even though Cornelius wasn't looking for it, and in the Gentiles that were all around Cornelius, and in the lives of all the Gentiles who would hear the message of Jesus. There's so many stories. You may remember the book of Esther. We encounter the story of a poor young woman who's orphaned, well, God's involved in her life, and she becomes queen of Persia and saves her fellow Jews from being killed. God is intensely involved in her life, as God was involved in Naomi's life, a poor widow who had to flee, who ends up in a foreign land with two daughters-in-law. Eventually, she makes a decision to go home, and one of her daughters-in-law, Ruth, returns home with her. Well, eventually, Ruth marries a fellow, and she and her husband have a son, who ended up being 
King David's grandfather, all because of God's involvement. The woman in the Gospel of John who had had five husbands whose life was a mess, God was totally involved in her life. She just happens to go to a well, and she runs into Jesus, and her life is totally transformed. Story after story after story in Scripture demonstrate God's consistent, continual, and extraordinary involvement in the lives of who at first seemed to be very ordinary people. But I share these stories in Scripture, not just because they're stories in Scripture, but because God is equally involved in your life and mine totally and completely, whether or not you see it or believe it or can feel it. And God wants us to act based on this anticipation by believing it, by asking God to help us notice how God is involved in our lives. God, show me how it is that you're involved in my life. This, of course, is easier said than done, isn't it? Especially when we're in pain. I believe God asks us to ask God to trust that he's involved in our lives, whether or not we see it. I also believe there's something else that we can do, and that is to look back at your life. You see, if you spend intentional time being attentive about all the years you have lived and all you have been through, my hunch is that you can see, probably, how God was involved in various chapters of your life, even though you didn't recognize it at the time. When I think back to some of the unhappiest times of my life, with time and perspective, and sometimes a lot of years, I see God's hand all over the place. There are things in my life that I desperately wanted. Some of those things did not happen. I wanted them to happen. I prayed for them to happen. But as I look back to what it was that I wanted to happen, thank God some of those things did not come to pass. That was God's involvement in my life. Even at the time, I couldn't see it. As I reflect back on my life, I can see God sending certain people into my life, ordinary people. And I can see that it was God's involvement in my life that brought certain people into my life when I needed such people to be there. The point, sometimes when we look retrospectively at our lives, we can see God's involvement in all kinds of ways. So spend some time. Look back at your life. Ask God to help you look retrospectively and see God's hand involved, especially if you don't feel God's involvement now. The second thing God invites us to is to anticipate God's guidance. There are countless examples in Scripture. Some of the examples show that God's guidance is sometimes crystal clear. Sometimes these stories in Scripture make me jealous because I wish God's guidance was sometimes that crystal clear. But you, you may remember through Moses' leadership that God led the people through the wilderness. He led them across a path in the desert, very visibly. God led them in roundabout ways. God's guidance was very obvious. God's guidance was very obvious when God led the people in the form of a pillar of cloud during the day and by fire at night so that they could travel both day and night. That was crystal clear guidance. Oh, how I wish how God's guidance was that clear. But often in Scripture, there are lots of stories in which God's guidance is not so clear. Take Daniel, for example. 
He was a Jew who was taken into exile by the Babylonians. And soon after being in exile, he was recognized by the Babylonians to have great wisdom and insight. And during one particular difficult time, Daniel prays and prays for God to guide him. And the words are beautiful of his prayers if you look at the book of Daniel. Daniel pleads with God for God's guidance. And you know what happens? Nothing. Weeks and weeks go by until God's guidance becomes apparent to Daniel. It's a great example and reminder to us that sometimes we have to be very patient with how God will guide us in God's time. There's so many stories in Scripture about God's guidance that show us that often God guides us in ways that are very subtle. But God invites us to anticipate God's guidance and to act upon such anticipation by seeking God's guidance and by knowing and believing it's there. And here are some brief thoughts on how to recognize how God may be guiding us. Sometimes, God guides us through the voices of people around us. Often, when somebody's voice is God's voice speaking to us, the person will say something that feels wise or right, even if it's challenging. I must say that God's voice will not ever be hateful. A person may mention something that feels a bit odd or something we hadn't thought of that strikes us as being, where did that come from? I'd never thought of that possibility. God speaks often through the voices of other people, as God did in so many stories of Scripture. So what the invitation for all of us is to selectively and I underline the word selectively because there are a lot of hate mongers out there, but to selectively pay attention to the voices of people around us when we are seeking the guidance of God. Sometimes God guides us through circumstances or coincidences that arise. I like to call them God incidences. We're wise to pay attention when something happens very unexpectedly, something that seems to occur out of the blue. God uses such events and happenings to point us in a direction we may not have thought of. We all know that sometimes doors close, others open. Sometimes we continue to try and go through that closed door when there's an obvious open door right next to it. Sometimes something comes to an end, but something new will always arise. God guides us through endings and through beginnings. Of course, God guides us through scripture and through prayer, etc. Finally, I want to say that God guides us sometimes when we feel a powerful sense of peace coming over us. Like one of the wisest things we can do is to pursue an inner sense of peace that seems to be coming from nowhere. I've had experiences in which I, needed, I knew I needed to do something and I felt peace about it even though it was very difficult to do. I knew I needed to do it. What is odd is sometimes what I need to do or say is hard, yet I feel a sense of peace knowing that it's God's guidance for me to pursue that path. Sometimes when we follow a sense of peace, we are receiving God's guidance. So follow the peace. So just to wrap up, I invite you over the, the, this week ahead to ponder the truth 
that God is powerfully involved in your life. If need be, take some time and retrospectively look back at your life, especially the difficult times, and see if you can see God's hand during those times. God continually guides us in so many ways. Anticipate such guidance by seeking it, by trusting it, whether or not you can immediately see it or feel it. And God guides us and is involved with us because of God's profound love for us and God's desire for us to have lives of peace and love. Well, next week I'm going to get into how we can anticipate God's healing in our lives, a huge subject, how we can anticipate God's calling us to act, and how we can anticipate God's future. In the meantime, again, I invite you to reflect back upon your life and look for God's involvement and guidance. I want to share as I close with the quote I shared earlier. God is involved in your life. God is guiding you. So therefore, I quote, don't give up. Just don't give up. Allow the Holy Spirit to restore your anticipation for the fulfillment of God's promises and the dreams God has for your life. Don't give up. Anticipate God's involvement and guidance. It's time to allow the Holy Spirit to spur you on, to spur you on day in and day out in the midst of whatever it is you're confronted with. And so now let us spend a few moments in silent prayer.